This is AM Rush. I'm your host, Alex Mitchell. Thursday, April 30th, some headlines out of AM New York Metro. NYPD Commissioner Dermot Shea has strong words towards the 2,000 people that attended a rabbi's funeral and... The Mets and Yankees could end up playing in the same division under a way that baseball might salvage the remainder of this season. We'll talk more about that. AM New York Metro digital editor Emily Davenport has a bunch of fun ways that you can make the best of your time in quarantine, including how to make a home movie theater. We're going to talk to her in a little bit. This is AM Rush. I'm Alex Mitchell. Let's get started with... The controversy surrounding a massive funeral for a Brooklyn rabbi on Tuesday night that got both Mayor Bill de Blasio and Dermot Shea irate. Now, on Wednesday, Dermot Shea said that 12 summonses were issued for the illegal gathering of what was estimated to be 2,000 people attending the funeral in the streets of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And Shea said that going forward, There will be a zero tolerance for any large gatherings while the pandemic persists. And he also reminded that 37 members of the NYPD, 37 members of the NYPD have succumbed to coronavirus and thousands of others on the force have been infected. He said, quote, everyone knows what is acceptable and what is not. Members of the Jewish community have been extremely helpful in the past. But we have had incidents. And he went on to say that putting my cops' lives at risk is something unacceptable. And switching over to some sports news, if Major League Baseball is to return this season, there is a unique concept on how play would come back. According to prior reports from this week, the MLB is considering a three-division plan that would see its teams play exclusively within their division. Now, the American League and National League would be disbanded temporarily, with the 10 teams being split up strictly on geography. So the Western Conference would be the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Anaheim Angels, San Francisco Giants, Houston Astros, Texas Rangers, Seattle Mariners, Arizona Diamondbacks, the Oakland Athletics, the Colorado Rockies, and the San Diego Padres, Over on the Central, the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox, Milwaukee Brewers, St. Louis Cardinals, Kansas City Royals, Cincinnati Reds, Cleveland Indians, Minnesota Twins, Detroit Tigers, and the Atlanta Braves. Now for us, this is where it gets interesting. The New York Mets, the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Baltimore Orioles, Philadelphia Phillies, Pittsburgh Pirates, Toronto Blue Jays, Tampa Bay Rays, and the Miami Marlins. Questions that I have about this that I'm sure we're going to talk to AM New York Metro sports editor Joe Pantorno about shortly is how a designated hitter would be implemented in that scenario. And now we have something a little bit fun coming up. We're going to talk to AM New York Metro digital editor Emily Davenport who covers entertainment. She covers the best things to do and movies to watch and a lot of ways to make quarantine a little bit more bearable. And she told me earlier in the week about a really, really cool thing that she had done while confined to her apartment over the weekend. 
We're going to talk to her now. We're going to get some movie recommendations from her, and we're going to hear about this really cool idea that really anyone can do at home. So, Emily, what the heck have you been doing to keep your mind busy in quarantine? Well, like so many other millennials in this day and age, I've hopped on TikTok to try to keep myself entertained because the other social media channels have just kind of run dry for me. So in my findings on TikTok, scrolling around a couple of days ago, just kind of absentmindedly as I do, and I came across this woman whose account I unfortunately can't remember and can't find it again where she created sort of a home movie theater experience for her partner while he was at work because she's not a central worker and he is a central worker. And what she ended up doing was kind of making her living room look more like a movie theater. She got concessions, made a sign, jacked up the prices for said concessions, like most movie theaters we know and love. And in my mind at the time, I was like, huh, that's a cute idea, and just kept scrolling. But then there was one day on Saturday when my partner went to go to work, and I was home alone, and I was thinking, I'm bored. What can I do? And I thought back to that TikTok, and I was like, I can make movie night way more interesting by just snazzing up the apartment a little bit like we had i just lost my train of thought because i got distracted by something outside that's my bad that's okay anyway i ended up taking after i ended up taking like every soft thing in the house every blanket every pillow every throw pillow Heck, even some towels and just threw them on the floor and on the couch just to kind of make sort of a comfy space for us to watch a movie, whether we want to be on the couch or on the floor, we would have been so comfortable. I scrolled through some of the apps that I'm streaming through, usually stuck with Netflix, Disney Plus, and Voodoo, just to, and picked out a handful of movies, so that way... It's so much, like, more time is spent trying to figure out what movie to watch than actually watching the movie. Oh, so I think you're coming up with a list of just, like, here's some predetermined movies that I know exist on these platforms that we can choose from. And I took a quick jaunt over to the local bodega, mask and all, just to pick up a couple of extra movie treats, made a concession sign of my own, and... Just got the place set up, complete with popcorn, Kit Kats, and top ramen to kind of bring the whole experience together. And by the time he got home, which was kind of late, it was around like 9 o'clock by the time that my partner finally came home, and he was thrilled with it because he didn't have to think so much about what to do that night. And is like the plans were already set in motion. So, because we had spent so much time just watching, binging, anime, cartoons, anything that we could think of. But more times than not, it's more of just like, a, oh, you want to do this? Yeah, sure, let's do this. But the fact that I kind of put a little bit more effort into it to make it more of an experience was able to change it up and keep it interesting. Because... 
like so many of us, I'm sure we're getting bored doing the same old things all the time. So finding ways to snazz it up is something that I'm here for. So I have to ask two things. One, did you price gouge after your bodega trip when uh, you brought everything home? Of course I did. (laughs) I absolutely did. The bodega sells like these small personal bags of chips, which I have a hard time finding anywhere else in my neighborhood. And they're for like $1.75. And so you know I jack those prices up to five bucks. Like any self-respecting movie theater would. (laughs) So what's your advice to other people that want to turn their apartments, their homes into um, a makeshift movie theater, especially if they're going to surprise someone who's coming home from what I presume is a long day. Anything is a long day now. Oh, for sure. I think one of ways is to utilize any soft resource that you have and Granted, not everyone might be a blanket hoarder like I am. The amount of blankets that I brought into this apartment is almost absurd. But using your resources to wear, making the less comfy spaces more comfy. Like, you don't necessarily need to snazz up your couch if the couch is already comfy. You can snazz up the floor in front of it where if you feel like rolling off the couch and laying on the floor, then you have a nice soft space. I would find ways to try to keep the room as dark as possible so that way you don't have to worry about potential glares from the street. And even if you have some cool string lights to hang up to kind of give it a nice dim effect, to kind of just bring some mood lighting for you and whoever you're quarantining with, whoever it may be. And I would say to not overthink it too much because chances are... If you're doing this for someone that you live with, they're going to love what you do because you put the effort in. That's true. I Just a go a very long way. And, like, keep, if you're looking for movies to watch and you have someone who has, like, a specific genre they like to stay within, find options. And I think one of the more fun things to do is to find movies that you both know that you haven't seen. Yeah, it's fun to rewatch some of the old classics, but sometimes it's fun just to watch something together that you can react to as it's happening. Like, we ended up choosing Toy Story 4, which we hadn't seen, and it was way more fun than rewatching something that we had seen so many times before. I can imagine, and like you're saying, now is the time to be adventurous. Now is the time, even if it's creating a home movie theater and finding something new to watch, even within doing the same routine every day, you found something new. You found an exciting way to handle what's going on. And I'm very curious, what else is on your to-watch list or other surprise movies that you guys just picked out and thought, wow, this is awesome. I can't believe I've never seen this. Okay, so some things that didn't make the cut for the first night, but are on the list to watch, is the Grand Budapest Hotel, which, from what I hear, a very popular Wes Anderson flick. Uh, My partner is very about, like, the color style of Wes Anderson. Like, a couple of weeks ago, we watched the Royal Tenenbaums, which I was surprised I had never seen before because that is such an incredible movie. <laughs> it's 
really funny and the art style is beautiful. Surprisingly, we also have Contagion on our list. I know it's not Ooh. probably the greatest thing to watch during a pandemic, but it's something that I think is pretty relevant right now. I had seen it once before. My partner had it, but he really wants to see it. Uh, as far as other things that I'm uh, adding into the rotation, as far to kind of veer off of movies and to go into TV series for a second, I've been watching a lot of The West Wing, which, if you're a person like me who is like all about Law & Order, or any Law & Order franchise, West Wing kind of fits in that mold a little bit. So that's been fun to watch. I've consumed way more in the past two weeks than I had in my entire life, which was a shock at how much I thought I would like it. You know, I'm going to give you another show right now. I'm not sure if this is on your list, but after the Pentagon released UFO footage or believed UFO footage, as if 2020 couldn't get any weirder, I think now is the perfect time to watch The X-Files. Ooh, that would probably be a great thing to start watching. <laughs> I will, on my recommendation, I suggest if you guys are doing a lights-out evening, throw on The X-Files, watch season one, or, you know, there are specific episodes that follow what is called the mythology of it, and a few of those, it's the first two episodes. The season finale of season one is good, but if you're going to watch something, watch the season finale of episode two. I've written about this, and I still say it is one of the best hours of television. You don't need to understand the plot that happened before to get what's going on in that one episode, and it is just exhilarating is the way to describe it. Oh my god, that sounds like something I need in my life. And it's UFO intensive, so it's very uh, on point right now. Yeah. To veer back on to movies, another thing I saw recently for the first time was Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, the spider and, and I'm not like a huge superhero movie person. I like them, they're fine, I'm not usually going out of my way to see them, but I loved that movie. It was... Like, and Spider-Man, of all of, like, the Marvel superhero movies that I've seen, Spider-Man is not, like, one of my favorites. I mean, Spider-Man's cool. not gonna, but, like, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, they've never really done it for me. I've never seen the Tom Holland ones. So I say, like, take everything I'm saying about it with a great salt right now, because I'm not the biggest Spider-Man movie fan, but Into the Spider-Verse just brings such an interesting perspective to the genre and plus, because it's animated, they get to play with the art style so much more. And the fact that it looks like a comic book that they brought to life is something that I loved. Um, if you're thinking of like going in the more direction of absurd, Cats is always an option. Oh, gosh. It's, it's a train wreck of a movie, but it is fun to watch with the right company. It's like, if you're quarantining with like, your partner who can laugh at, like, ridiculous stuff, or if you're on, like, an, a Zoom or a Netflix party movie night. Cats is something that's just absurd enough that it can keep conversation rolling and give you something to talk about as it's happening or afterwards. 
I don't understand how they could manage to get something so wrong. It was... <laughs> I, like, I can't even finish that sentence. It was... It just was. You know, I ended I, up seeing Cats opening weekend before or I moved out to Brooklyn with a couple of my friends. We went to this cheap theater in Elwood, and... Like, I was so glad that I only spent, like, $10 on that ticket because I was sitting there watching it. I'm like, ah, how did this, why, why is this a thing? How did this succeed on Broadway? I don't understand. I think on Broadway they didn't have the uh, CGI calamities. What what I've heard, and I, I've only seen bits and pieces, and kind of thankfully so, but it, mm -hmm. it seemed to me like they just didn't understand how to make the characters to scale. Oh, no, that's true. When I was watching it, some of the scale is so, like, questionable. Like, at times they look like they're the size of normal people, but then they also look smaller than your average cat size. Like, it doesn't... They really missed the mark on that one. And I know this has been said, like, for, like a million times over on the internet already, but... They really messed this one up, <laughs> but that, but for that reason, it's a good movie to kind of just like sit, have a beer or a glass of wine with your friends, socially distanced and just kick back and watch the absurd unfold. You know what it's like? It's kind of like the musical version of Attack of the Clones. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. We don't talk about Attack of the Clones. Oh, my gosh. I will say, though, and it's such a shame that this scene goes unsung, but the Jedi battle on Geonosis is probably one of the best battles in Star Wars. The rest of the movie, different story, but that 10 minutes when all the Jedi come down into the pit. Oh, yeah. It is such a shame that that happened in Attack of the Clones. I know. It could have been, like, it could have even been more redeemable if it was in the third one. I'm drawing a blank on the name. Revenge of the Sith? Revenge of the Sith. Because I was like, Return cool. of the Jedi. And I was like, no, it's not Return of the Jedi. Revenge of the Sith. You know, actually, fun fact about Return of the Jedi. The original title for that was supposed to be Revenge of the Jedi. Mm. Which is why they gave it Revenge of the Sith years down the line. And Starkiller Base in Episode 7, the original name for Luke Skywalker was Luke Starkiller. So, little huh. Easter egg that they kept that around. I know too much about Star Wars. I mean, there are worse things to know too much about. Yeah, you're, you're certainly right. Actually, another fun fact about Revenge of the Sith, there is a small cutscene on Coruscant, which is the planet where the Jedi live, well, I mean, yeah. the Jedi live everywhere, but that, you know, kind of the capital of the universe, that planet, you can yeah. actually see the Millennium Falcon flying in and docking. Huh. Which is nice interesting. Nice little Easter egg for uh, those fans. Yeah. That attention to that stuff. It, um, it show, I like that it shows the Falcon's been flying forever, and Han Solo is kind of driving what's equivalent to, like, a 92 BMW nowadays. Definitely, <laughs> So tell me what else you got on the list. Uh, also on this list, just to hit some of the classics, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is on here. Ooh. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh. Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
uh, bit of a wild card, Doug's first movie, for any Doug fans out there. Doug's first movie, that's a good one. Uh, The Princess Bride, another classic. Like, literally one of those movies you could sit down and watch any day of the week, and it's funny, and it's good, and it makes you feel good watching it. I love The Princess Bride. Now, that's the one with, what, what does he say? You've killed my father. Prepare to die. What's my name? Is, yeah, my name is Indigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's it. That I knew it. I actually, yeah. I need to watch that. I've only seen the second half of it. Huh? And how is it seeing it from the second half? I I turned. It was on cable, and I turned it on, and. Mm. I was just like, oh, this is fun. And then I didn't realize that it was like a storybook being told to a kid. I thought it was just a, um, you know, a time film. Or what do they call them? Period films, technically. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Because, like, in the beginning, and this is, like, not a spoiler because it's not. The grandpa comes in and you see Fred Savage in his young glory, just in his bed, just miserable at the thought of his grandfather reading this book to him and then as it goes on he gets more and more into it because the story gets more and more as it does throughout the film and I think it's one of those movies that everyone needs to see in its entirety I'll certainly be putting it on my list and I have a special Disney Plus film that I don't know how many people know is out there and it has Ben Stiller in it among oh Kenan Thompson is in it too before his Saturday Night Live days, and the kid who played Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks and a few others, it is arguably the funniest live-action Disney movie ever made, and it is called Heavyweights. Yes! Oh my god. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Oh look, a deli meat. (laughs) I love that movie, and so I need to preface this. Just like you, I grew up on Long Island. And I essentially was Gerald Garner, age 11, 141 pounds, in the Islanders t-shirt. Like, uh, Disney owes me some royalties on this. I need to, a topic for another day, but they need to pay up. Yeah, they do. It's it's time. They clearly stole your likeness and put it in this film. They really did, but that film is, that was back when Disney could be family-oriented, but still really funny and it's not to diss what they're doing but that was like such a great era for Disney films where it had the warmth to it but you also felt like you were watching a real unrefined comedy it was like truly one of a kind as far as movies go like I've never seen anything quite like heavyweights since I've seen heavyweights. Because it can't be replicated, and that's what makes it so great, is that it was such an original concept that even if you tried to rip it off, you probably wouldn't be able to do it. It's crazy how that works out. There are very few films like that these days. Especially in an era where people seem to be making sequels upon sequels and remakes upon remakes. It's nice to have like those standalone kind of films like that. Speaking of remakes, this is something I recently tweeted about, which is in dire need of a remake. Did you, when you were a kid, did you ever see the Thunderbirds movie? I don't think I did. Exactly. Okay, so there was a TV show, I believe in the 60s, my dad's going to kill me if I get that wrong, 
called The Thunderbirds, and it was about this family that owned a bunch of different types of rockets and other flying machines and would go out and save the world. That was the whole premise of it. And uh -huh. in 2004, they made a live-action movie of it, which actually had Vanessa Hudgens in it, which is weird to think about. But the movie was a complete flop, but the concept was so cool. And I believe this is the one case where I'm going to say, reboot this film, it'll be worth it. If there is a 2020 or 2021 Thunderbirds movie, that would be so awesome. And they need to redo Speed Racer also, because that disappointed my childhood. Oof. I haven't seen Speed Racer, but... You're not missing much. I'm... It sounds like it. But again, it, it's such a classic show, I'm sure that they could find a way. You know who would actually be a great speed racer? Tom Holland. I could that see works. him being speed racer. I could see that. Did you ever see, or see, at least see advertisements for that movie called Baby Driver? Yes, with um, Ansel Elgort, the Fault in Our Stars yeah. guy. Yeah, he's one of those guys that doesn't strike me as someone who would be in a car crime racing movie. Like, I don't, I'm not sure what that movie is about, but even seeing him in that trailer just didn't feel right when I saw it. Yeah. Meanwhile, and maybe it's the Tom Holland as Spider-Man, so I've already ha had the idea in my head of him being, like, in an action movie, huh? To think of him as potentially a speed racer makes more sense in my mind. I don't know. This might be a bad opinion. Who knows? But... No, I, I get what you're saying. And when it comes to um, Ansel, you know, he really became a branded actor when he did Fault in Our Stars as the romantic, loving boyfriend that's going to make you cry for yeah. hours upon end when something tragic happens. But in real life, you know he's actually a DJ? I did not know that. Yeah, that that's score one for us. I also DJ for those that are finding that out for the first time. <laughs> when I learned that, that was really cool. But yeah, th those are my uh, those are my. I wouldn't call them controversial movie takes, but those are certainly my opinions on two films that we grew up on that deserve a second chance. Not for us, but for the youth of America. To give them a chance for some life once again. Exactly. Because when was the last time you saw a really great movie in theaters that just compelled you to want to go? The last one I saw that made me feel that way was probably uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom Hanks oh. as Mr. Rogers. Okay, that's a good choice. Yeah, and before that, there wasn't really anything that made me feel on that level. Like, I had seen other movies that I liked in theaters. Like, I saw Detective Pikachu in theaters. I saw uh, a couple of other stuff recently in theaters, like, last year or whatever, before the world started falling apart. But something about that freaking Mr. Rogers movie, yeah? Tom Hanks, <laughs> just hit me right in all the right wheels where I was like, everyone needs to see this movie. And this is one of those things that needs to become one of those timeless kind of things for generations to come. Because like, I don't know, you might've been really young when this happened, but when I was 
2010, that was the year that Mr. Rogers died. Like, I remember reading it in Time for Kids in my fifth grade classroom because they used to bring us those little Time for Kids pamphlets so that way they would get us interested in reading, like, current events and stuff like that. And so he's been gone for a good long time at this point. And, like, even still in the movie theater, when I was seeing A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, there were people of all ages, like, older than me, younger than me, and bringing their children to see this movie because it has one of those, like, timeless messages that anyone can benefit from, which is just, like, be kind to one another. Treat each other nice. It's not complicated. So, Emily, am I allowed to hit you with a Mandela effect that I don't think too many people know about? Of course. What does Mr. Rogers say when he sings his song? It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. In this neighborhood, yes, not the neighborhood. I saw that in some YouTube video about, like, Mandela effects, and I was like, whoa. I can't believe they got it on the title, too. The title of the film. Yeah. You think they would have, like, played back at least one clip and been like, hey, guys, we need to change that. I guess they just did it the way everyone hears it rather than what's actually correct. You know, it's funny, though, because that's not the only Tom Hanks movie with a famous Mandela effect. Apollo 13. There's no Houston, we have a problem. It's we've got a problem here. Oof. That there, there are just too many of those movie things that we shouldn't be getting wrong like that. <laughs> and uh, you know the famous Star Wars one. There's no, no Luke. No. I am your father. It's no. no I am your I father. I am your father. Yeah, yeah. Also, Anchorman. It's not. Well, that escalated quickly. It's boring. That escalated quickly. Yeah. You know, meme. I blame meme culture. And, you know, you're probably not wrong there. As journalists, accuracy is important, even for silly things. I know. But yeah, that, that Mandela effect, actually, about the Darth Vader one, the original line, so Lucas kept it very hush-hush on the set when he did that. And... Uh-huh. He told James Earl Jones to tell Luke that Obi-Wan was his father to get that reaction. Really? They psyched him out. They psyched Mark Hamill out on set. I have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's it. But no, they... that sounds like something that would happen. I want to believe that movie directors trolled each other, trolled their actors back in the day, also back in the 70s, 80s. I know Stanley Kubrick, when he did The Shining, the Here's Johnny scene, he made them do so many takes of it that she was legitimately terrified. Not of Jack Nicholson, but just of what was going on. I mean, how could you not? That movie was intense in its own right, but that scene alone... Having to relive it over and over, my God. I don't know if I would have been able to do it. This is why I don't act. Yeah. That specifically, no other reason. Truthfully, I don't like watching horror movies, no matter how well made they are. Especially now, I just find life is scary enough. You don't 
You don't need the surplus of it. You don't need that excess. I understand. Yeah, I'm more like I I enjoy a good horror movie, especially a good well-made horror movie. But right now, I just don't want to watch them. I'm just like, there's enough scary stuff happening in my own neighborhood because my neighborhood's not great at social distancing, and that's a different conversation. But there's just like so much scary stuff happening in the world. Do we really need that right now? I'm sure some people find weird comfort in it, but for me personally, now I'm sticking to comedies. I'm sticking to other, like, I think documentaries are the realest that I'll go. And even still, I'm erring on the side of the absurd. Oh, cough, certainly. cough, Tiger King, cough. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I haven't watched Tiger King, and I don't feel a desire to do so. I really don't. Yeah, like, it's fine. Like, I get why it got the hype that it got. I watched the whole thing. I ended up watching the whole series in one day because I just got sucked into it. Because it really is kind of a fascinating look at that side of, like, these roadside zoos and how they end up looking compared to these, uh, like, big cat rescues and Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin and all that stuff. Did she kill her husband? You know? But... It's it's really weird. It's a really weird series. Yeah. And I don't think you're missing out on too much by not watching it. I never enjoyed watching things just because other people say to or because it's popular. I want to watch something because I want to watch something. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I totally get that. Like, I was hesitant to watch Tiger King when I first started seeing the memes about it and all that stuff, but then I was running out of things that I wanted to watch, and I was like, all right, I guess I'll try it. And then I'm kind of a completionist in the sense that once I start a series, I kind of got to see it through to the end unless I absolutely hate it. Oh, you have to follow through, even if you despise it. You got to just have the sense of accomplishment. Exactly. It's like I have... And don't hate me for this. I haven't seen the most recent Star Wars movie yet, but I will eventually. May the 4th. It's out on Disney+. Plus. May the 4th be with you. Ah, perfect. And I believe that that was intentional on Disney's end. Oh, it had to have been. You know, another comedy on Netflix, which I personally believe, and I've had this conversation with AM New York Metro reporter Mark Hallam many, many times, The Other Guys is Will Ferrell's best film. I haven't seen that one, but I remember when the trailers were out for that one years ago, and I was like, huh, that looks like an interesting movie, and then it just fell off my face of the earth. It is Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg, Michael Keaton, Samuel Jackson, The Rock, Rob Riggle is in it, and so many other, like, it is an all-star cast, so Eva Mendes plays his wife. I completely forgot about that. But it wow. is arguably the fu- one of the funniest films I've ever seen. And it came out before Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home was like the commercial ripoff of the other guys. And you can ask any comedy enthusiast, that movie is just so darn funny. And Daddy's Home, is that the one that had Mark Wahlberg in it? Yes, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg reunited for that one. After they did the other guys. So the other without the other guys, you would have had daddy's home. 
But yeah, you just, gotta. Yeah, I just remembered that he was in the in the other guys also, and I was like, oh right. <laughs> but that is such a good film. Some other stuff on Netflix. I love British comedy. And there are two shows made by the same creator. They're, they're more like goofball comedies. But one is called The Inbetweeners and one is called White Gold. And these are hilarious shows. Again, they're raunchy. They're out there. But if you're just looking for some downright humor, this is the direction to go in. There's no doubt about it. You can't help but laugh when you see all the stupid and cringeworthy things that they inadvertently end up doing. I'm with you. I've heard good things about the in-betweeners. I haven't heard of White Gold. Personally, I'm a fan of the IT crowd, if you're looking for a nice quick binge. I have to see that, and I was advised to watch that. I need to check it. It is worth it. It is really good. I need to watch that. I need to, okay. So we have a checklist now. The IT crowd for me, you need to check out the other guys. I will consider Tiger King. You know heavyweights already. Mm-hmm. What was the other one? Oh, um, Contagion. Contagion. Do you have any more recommendations for people? As for movies or just how to keep busy? You know what? Let's hear them all. I mean, if you have Disney+, Plus, I'd say just go through every single Disney a direct-to-DVD sequel that ever existed, or direct-to-VHS, depending on how old the movie is. We're fi- I'm finding that I'm watching these Disney sequels with my friends remotely, and we're looking at them like, how did this get made? What sort of cash-grab nonsense is this? For example, there's this one Little Mermaid sequel called The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginnings. Oh, gosh. And it was one of the most ridiculous movies I'd ever seen. Basically, without giving too much of the plot away, you get a little bit of backstory about what happened to Ariel's mom, and... Then you and it leads to King Triton banning music from un, from the undersea world, and Ariel's mission to bring it back. Wow! Because she finds out that she just loves music, just like everyone else. <laughs> and that and there was another one that was an Aladdin sequel. I think it was Aladdin. The Prince of Thieves. Like how it's one of those things like how did this get made? So I would suggest if you have Disney Plus to go through the back catalog of all of these Disney sequels and decide for yourself which ones actually deserve to get made or not. And which ones were just pointless cash grabs. You know, when you brought up the Aladdin thing, I always think of the family guy bit with that. Aladdin four, Jafar might need glasses. glasses. Number one or number two. <laughs> You know, I will say, a Disney movie that I remember, I guess it's considered straight-to-DVD because it was only aired on Disney Channel, never in the theaters, was Minutemen, about when they discovered time travel. Yeah, I remember Minutemen. That was a great movie. Some of them are really great. Like, you can uncover some really good gems on Disney+, Plus, but they're... 
there's uh, there's some stinkers on there. Oh, I can imagine. Another one I remember from my childhood was I think it was called Go Figure, about the mm -hmm. um the girl that played hockey and figure skated. Oh yes, that was Hayden Panettiere, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was oh, a good one. That was such a good movie. <laughs> so there are some good ones on there. I mean, of course. You have your, your highs and your very lows, but it's good to have that in between where it's like, okay, yeah, there are, and I don't know. I've been very much in my nostalgic mode ever since everything happened. Just thinking back to my life, my childhood, stuff like that. And it's really been jogged by what I've been watching on TV, even if it's like an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. Like it just, it transports me back years. Yeah. I can't watch Everybody Loves Raymond anymore because there was a period back when my parents were buying like every DVD set and it was all we were watching. So, like I've seen every single episode of Everybody Loves Raymond more times than I care to count. And it's a great show. Don't get me wrong. It was really funny. But I can't do it yet. No, I totally understand what you mean. And uh, AM New York Metro sports editor Joe Pantorno and I, we always say... We feel like that show is derivative of our lives in a lot of ways. Like, no, like we definitely get that. feel you there. Oh, man. But, yeah. So those are some good picks for now. And I say we do this every so often where we get some new recs and talk about ways of what to do in quarantine. And, Emily, hopefully within the next few times I have you on the show, we can talk about what to do outside and places to go, too. Fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah, I hope so. Sometimes soon. Stay inside, people. Yeah, stay inside. Be good. Behave yourselves. Make a movie theater this weekend. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Oh, yeah. All right, Emily, once again, thank you for coming on. I have some movies I need to go check out. Now. Thanks for having me. Hope you have some fun with them. Absolutely. I certainly will. And don't forget, the other guys and the in-betweeners. You won't go wrong. Got it. Written down. <laughs> Take care. I'll see you soon. You too. And that was AM Rush. Thank you again for listening, New York. Stay tough out there. I know it's not easy, but turn on some movies. Make a home theater. Do something fun. Make the best of your time. We're going to bring on AM New York Metro sports editor Joe Pantorno tomorrow, and he and I are going to talk about some baseball concepts, and we're going to go over the best sports movies of all time. And we're going to divide that into each category of which movie is best for each sport. So we want to get some interpretation on that and hear from you guys. Thank you again for listening. Stay tough. And remember, New York, wash your hands.